Welcome to Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell, bringing you the latest information for families seeking to adopt, adoptees, and women considering placing a child for adoption. Now, with today's program, here is Marty Caldwell. Well, welcome, and thank you for joining us today. And uh, today we're going to be starting a two-part series on uh, a program about large sibling groups um, adopted from another country, a very unique story from our, our guest today. He's also an author, and um, so he's raising this supersized family with his wife. And uh, we're going to get some insight into to why and how and, and how they manage the whole thing and what it's like to, inter- to uh, do an international adoption, too. So um, we'd like to also remind you to sign up for our weekly newsletter reminder at letstalkadoption.com. It's free, and it'll send you information about upcoming programs and all kinds of other resources, too. So uh, any stage of your adoption or if you're an adult adoptee, too, my email is info at Let's Talk Adoption. My guest today uh, is James Dirk, um, and uh, we're going to be giving his website out. He's also an author. It's a two-part series we're doing this week and next week. Um, it's an adoptive dad's perspective on raising a, a large sibling group from another country um, and raising a supersized family, what it takes, how do they do it, and uh, what motivated them to go ahead and do this, too. So Jim, uh, Jim and his wife adopted this group from Hungary, and um, they became uh, a unique family right away. And so we're going to talk about that today. And welcome to the show, Jim. Thank you, Marty. I'm glad to be here. Well, we're so pleased to have you here. I know you're very busy with all your family, and, and we haven't shared the size of your family yet. Uh, but, you know, it's very interesting. And you did write a wonderful book we're going to talk about in a little bit, too, about uh, your whole adoption adventure. Um, you, but you, you were an adopted parent. You first adopted in the United States. Um, right. A, a daughter. Was she adopted at birth? Well, my my wife had a stepdaughter. Had, my wife had a daughter when we got married, okay. so I, I inherited a uh, soon-to-be teenage stepdaughter. Oh wow! Um, my son uh, Brandon was adopted domestically in 1991 as a newborn. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so you started with us too, and then um, you were actually waiting for an adoption in Bolivia, and then what yeah. happened? Uh, we decided to do a dual course of uh, some infertility treatments plus pursuing adoption. We were really going to see whichever process produced fruit first, you know, really was our, was our process. One was no choice, you know, no preference of one over the other. It was really just a rational choice of, of making a family happen. Mm-hmm. Um, while we were pursuing adoption, my son Brandon kept getting older and older, mm-hmm. and his only requirement when we adopted, we approached him about adopting the brothers and sisters was that he remained the, the oldest child, aside right. from my that stepdaughter. birth order, so, too. How old were you and your wife at that time, too? Um, uh, in, in our mid thirties, we were both mm-hmm. about thirty-five. Mm-hmm. So you weren't spring chickens, but you weren't very old either. So exactly, yeah, uh, you weren't in your twenties too. So, um, what happened then during that period of time? You 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 uh, had waited quite a while for Bolivia, and then you had heard about um, a situation in Hungary, right? Right. We had completed a home study through you know our our local local support agencies, and then a local attorney had started a program to adopt children from Bolivia. So mm-hmm. we had investigated that and signed up with him, and we were about the, you know, five or six couple in line waiting to go. 
and the couple before us, we had waited about almost a year, and the couple before us were really caught in, in almost a military coup mm. and had to be rescued by military <laughs> forces and that kind of thing. Oh, so yeah, that cool. situation was incredibly unstable, mm-hmm. and our uh, home study, which was good for 12 months, was about ready to, to expire, and we would have had to pay for another one. So mm-hmm. my wife got on the Internet one day and looked for immediately adoptable children, we investigated some domestic sibling groups, but they, they were not available in the time frame that we needed. So mm-hmm. she found a website uh, for these children in Hungary, mm-hmm. a sibling group of four, mm-hmm. that the Hungarians had been looking all over Europe for someone that, that was willing to take them home, and no one uh, was willing to accept that responsibility. So we talked about it and prayed about it, and uh, we faxed them our home study the next day, mm-hmm. and two weeks later we were on a plane. Wow. What I mean, how did your wife approach you and say, honey, there's there's four children in, in, in Hungary that need a home. Did you like fall over or did you think she was joking or, or how did how that all play out? We were sort of prepared for a large family. <laughs> when you go through infertility treatment, you sort of, you know, there's always the risk. That's true. And the blessing of having mm-hmm. a large group group of mm-hmm. kids at, mm-hmm. at once. Um, so we weren't, you know, against the idea of a large family. The website made it clear that you didn't need to take all four. Mm-hmm. Um, but so we never hard. really gave any thought yeah. to splitting them up. Right. And what were the ages? They were uh, four years old, three years old, and a set of one-year-old twins. Mm-hmm. And so they were all together there, and, and two weeks later, you're in. Now, that's unusual, but, I mean, there's some countries that will go that fast and others take longer. So two weeks, you're, you've got your home study converted now to an international adoption. Right. And, yeah. um, and so you're, you're taking time off of work, and the, both of you are going to um, Hungary together, right? Right. Our home study already was internationally qualified because we were waiting for Bolivia. So that's true, yes. The, real, right. the only real change was going from we had been pre-qualified for two children. Mm-hmm. So the, the social worker did a quick update and pre-qualified us for four. Yeah, did, uh, because a lot of countries will have different requirements. Did Hungary's um, requirements kind of coincide with the, the needs of the Bolivian government as far um, as... The only real change was income. They, they required less income mm-hmm. because, as you know, the... You know, the Hungarian people are very modest land, so mm-hmm. our income made us look like, you know, Bill Gates to them, really. Yes, And right. the other requirement was you needed to stay in the country for uh, one month. One month. Now, how did that work? You were both working at the time? I was a newspaper reporter, and mm-hmm. my wife worked for General Electric, and it just mm-hmm. so happened that GE was the largest employer in Hungary. So wow. um, there was actually an infrastructure set up for her to do some work while we were there. What a blessing. Really nice. That's amazing. And yeah. I took a leave of absence from my newspaper job and started writing a series of stories while I was there about mm-hmm. adoption. Mm-hmm. And that's what eventually spawned my book. The, mm-hmm. the series of stories were sort of mm-hmm. the foundation of what Let's, let's give you, since you mentioned your book, let's go ahead and give the title of the book and where they can find it, too. And we're going to talk about it a little bit more. But uh, go ahead and give the title of your book first and where they sure, can find it. Sure. The book it. is called Hungarian Rhapsody, an Adoption mm-hmm. Story. And you can pick it up my, at my website is dirk.com, D-E-R-K.com, or any of the other major bookseller sites. Yeah, and they can always order, too. If you don't see it in there, ask your bookseller to order it for you. Um, so you're there, and you're basically working, and uh, you left your home. Uh, where did your children go, then, the, the children that you had? We, my wife's parents came over and, and cared for our children and our dogs while mm-hmm. we were gone. And we what, also hired a contractor while we mm-hmm. were gone, and he built a 
very small addition onto the back of our home because our home was not nearly large enough for wow. quick addition of four kids. So, so you so you had a contractor there, and you don't even know if you're coming back to a uh, you know what type what type of work, but you had to have some faith in just going over there and hoping when you came back it'll be all completed. Then, yeah, it was really just a quick decision that we added a, a very small room on and just said, you know, go for it. We didn't really have much time to plan anything. Mm-hmm. Um, Hungarian adoptions are pretty unusual to begin with. There were only six the entire year when we got there the first year. So mm-hmm. and even today, they're only up to 21 or 22 adoptions yeah, per year. So you started this in 1996. Right. There's not, and in 1996 is when you went over there. So, so you're going over there, and did you have any guidance from the um, agency you're working with for your international adoptions, what to expect and the language and the customs and yeah, there aren't really any adoption agencies that specialize in Hungary because they do so few. Mm-hmm. So we ended up hiring a translator that, you know, an official government translator who spoke both English and Hungarian, and he led us through the process. How did you find him? Uh, we found him on the Internet also. You did. Your wife used the Internet a lot. I mean, when we did our pre-interview, we, I couldn't believe all the work she did. It was wonderful. Yeah, it, it helped us understand what we were getting in for. Of course, we had no time to learn the language, and the language itself is very difficult, even if you would have time. Um, so, you know, we really just downloaded the basics. My father mailed us a whole bunch of books, mm-hmm. and we devoured those, of course. But mm-hmm. What did you, you say? Know, the, the Hungarian land, you know, they, they were under communist rule till the fall of the Berlin Wall, so their, mm-hmm. their democracy is only about 10 or you know, 12 years old by that time. And, and how did you find a place to stay? Did the agency have something over there? Did you live in a, ho- in a hostel, a home, an apartment? or? We found a very small hotel. Our facilitator was able to find that for us as well. Mm-hmm. And it took us about three hours to find it once we were in the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, the city we were in was called Debritsen, and it was about a three-hour drive outside of Budapest. So mm-hmm. we landed in Budapest, rented a car using mm-hmm. sign language and pantomime, mm-hmm. um, drove to and it took us about three hours to find it because it was buried in the middle of the woods. And it mm-hmm. turned out to be a former Soviet retreat mm-hmm. that they buried in the woods on purpose to make it very difficult for the Americans to find. Wow. Because the head of the Soviet you know, military used to stay there, and the walls were like two, in, two feet thick and that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. it was about a 10-room hotel. Mm-hmm. So we, t- we took a room of that. And the next day we found out it was about 30 yards from the Orf. You know, the building mm-hmm. right next door was, in fact, the orphanage for our kids. And we, we Isn't no that idea. amazing? It just sounds like God just was walking through this whole thing with you, too. Um, and you know, people, really for people listening that have not adopted internationally, uh, when you travel, you don't necessarily have to get an international tra- um, you know, in- license. I know I have one, but, um, but it's, it's good to have that if you're comfortable driving in, you know, um, very busy traffic or, you know, ruts and different things. But um, you had to get an international driver's license, right, when you drove there. We got that from our local AAA, mm-hmm. you know, the next day. Right, which is really easy to do, too, and get all the information. So you're over in this hotel, and um, how soon before you um, are able to go and um, meet with the orphanage, um, and how did you find out what they were there? Um, the facilitator met us there the next morning. We had a quick breakfast with him, and he said, now we shall go to the orphanage, and we were like, fantastic, and we expected to get in the car, and he goes, no, we're just going to walk over there. That's amazing. uh, We walked over there, and uh, we met the orphanage director, which we Mm -hmm. later learned was sort of a pre-screening interview. Mm -hmm. She just wanted to make sure that, you know, in her mind, we looked okay. And Mm -hmm. And that's good they do that, too. Yeah, that that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then 
uh, we went down the hall, a bunch of small, tiny, dark halls, and mm -hmm. in each room there were 12 children, all under the age of four. How, so how and many children all together? In this particular orphanage, there were about 200. 200, wow. And it was, uh, it was both, my wife and I have talked about this many times, it was both uh, a good experience to know where our kids were living, but also... I, I would want to bring them all home. I'd want to bring them all home, yeah. All those other kids. You know, yeah, and you can't bring them all. It's just, that's the most difficult thing. So you walk down this, this dark hallway. You've got your, your um, facilitator with you, and um, you're seeing that, and he's taking you to the room then where you're Did you have pictures at all prior to this? Yeah. Okay, you did. We had one set of pictures. They were, they were not on the Internet when, mm -hmm. we, when we first applied. A lot of countries after. don't allow that either. You know? Yes, yeah. they, the government does not allow that either. Mm -hmm. So after we were accepted, they mailed us sort of a grainy Xerox. You know, mm -hmm. with a, weren't very good photographs, but we had at least something to look forward to. Right. And so um, did you take anything with you when you went uh, to the orphanage at all? Could you take any gifts or anything at all? That, uh, they told us we could bring, you know, very, very small toys for, you know, these four children. So we brought, like, Beanie Babies and that kind of thing. But they, mm -hmm. they didn't want anything extravagant or anything that would make the other kids feel left out. Mm -hmm. Could you bring things for the other children? Well, uh, the, the next time we went, we actually broke the rule because they mm -hmm. told us not to. But the, mm -hmm. last, the next time we went, we... we <laughs> We filled up the orphanage with toys. And what did they do? What was the response to the, uh, the supervisors and them? The staff was not happy, but mm -hmm. the kids were thrilled. Uh, yeah. The staff really wasn't happy because they had to clean up the toys. So mm -hmm. they like to keep oh. everything very uh, neat. neat and clean and very little fuss. Yeah. And if you oh, fill up yeah. the orphanage with a lot of toys, it's more for them to put away. Oh, so the caregivers tended to be very... You know, middle age, middle teenage girls. Mm -hmm. You know, each charged with taking care of twelve kids. So yeah, so they it's wanted a very to... hard job. So, um, what was the condition of the orphanage too when you got there too, Jim? It was spotless. We mm -hmm. had seen, uh, you know, there was a kind of famous twenty twenty report on Romanian orphanages, mm -hmm. which made them made the, made them out to look very mm -hmm. nasty. Yes, and Hungary, you know, is right next to Romania. We sort of thought the conditions would be the same, and instead. Mm -hmm. You know, this place, you could eat off the floor. It was the mm -hmm. cleanest place we'd been in, in in our lives. And was this just, you said these, the 200 children under the age of four. Right. And so this was, that was their specialty. Yes. Uh, the uh, Hungarian government splits up the children by age mm -hmm. and um, in some cases by uh, race. They, mm -hmm. The Roma children tended to be together and the non-Roma children tended to be together. Yeah. Well, you know, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to share more about your Hungarian adoption of your children and some surprises we're going to share with them, too. So um, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we have an adoptive father's prospect on adopting from Romania and also his supersized family. How does he do it? Two-part series we have today. We'll be right back. has a plan for each of us. Sometimes we simply aren't sure what that is. Many Christian families are struggling today with infertility and pregnancy loss and feel forgotten as to God's plan for their lives. Is God trying to convey His plan to you? Perhaps He is trying to lead you to another path for building your family. Christian families are being built every day through the miracle of adoption. There is hope and there's a child for you. Visit lifetimeadoption.org. 
or call 530-432-7373 to learn more about welcoming a baby into your heart through adoption. Well, and if you just joined the program today, we're talking with um, uh, author and adoptive father James Dirk about um, his perspective as an adoptive dad on adopting a very large sibling group um, from another country, Hungary, and also raising a supersized family. And then we're going to be talking about his book, too. Um, before we continue, I want to mention that um, we get a lot of emails from listeners asking about adoption. Where do they start? They need resources. And this is one reason I wrote the book, AdoptingOnline.com, is to help Hopeful adoptive parents find the resources they need to stay safe in their adoption and within their budget, too. So if you know somebody interested in adopting or you are yourself, um, consider looking this up uh, in the library or your local bookstore, also online at adoptingonline.com. So um, it's a valuable resource. I hope that uh, it will help you as it helped many other people, too. Um, Jim, before we left on break, um, we were talking a little bit about, you know, you're in Romania now. You're going down the the, the corridors to meet your children for the first time you've got a photograph of them but you know it's fuzzy and um i bet your heart was just beating unbelievably uh to see these children for the first time do they tell the children they're someone to come see them or do they wait um the of course my my two one well one-year-olds were too little they had told the three-year-old that we were coming to visit Mm -hmm. they had they had reunited him with his four-year-old brother. They they had never met. Yeah, tell us. Let's take a little side trip on that. So the three-year-old and the one-year-old twins were together, but the four-year-old never knew he had siblings. Correct. He he was being held in an, in another wing, mm-hmm. and their idea, I think, was admirable. Is they did not think anyone would ever going to come and get four kids. Mm-hmm. So they did not want to break a fraternal bond later so mm-hmm. they thought it was easier to never tell him that he had bro- brothers or sisters so wow. the morning we got there was the first time he had even met his brother his brother or sisters because mm-hmm. they they were in another wing so the girls were twins the one-year-old twins right actually i had a one boy twin and one girl twin, okay one boy and, and then one two girl. other boys okay and one girl so just and three boys so um they're all in the same orphanage so you're going down there what happens to the point well we it turned out to be the last room in the last hall so mm-hmm. We saw, you know, all of the other kids, and I, you know, they had tried to tell us not to bond with the other kids, but you know, we went, you know, we tried to wave at them, mm. and it was just sort of heart wrenching to have them sort of stare at us through through the glass. But mm-hmm. when we got to our room, you know, they opened the door, and the two, you know, we both bent down, and the two little boys ran over to us and gave us a kiss on each cheek, and mm-hmm. uh, the twins were being held by their caregivers, you know, so mm-hmm. they handed us each one of the twins, mm-hmm. and, you know, we got to meet them. Mm-hmm. Um, we did not really know that that meeting was was what I would equate to be a job interview. Is mm-hmm. They really wanted to see how we would in- interact. Mm-hmm. And despite, you know, wearing pretty nice clothes and all that stuff, we got down on the ground with them just mm-hmm. because we're both parents and mm-hmm. started playing with the kids. Mm-hmm. And Gave your gifts, they, yeah. They later told us that was a really big win for us because mm-hmm. they want to see that, you know, you're willing to get – Get down on your knees. and That's a good tip for people listening that are going to, to orphanages. I mean, I guess there are times when they have parents that show up. I know that we have people that apply, and, and uh, we thought, gee, I wouldn't, I wouldn't leave my dog with them, let alone a child. And, well, you know. the Hungarian government, the reason the stay is one month, and that's mm-hmm. you know, a long time to be mm-hmm. out of your country and away mm-hmm. from your job, is yeah. 
they had an American couple adopt a child, um, took him home, naturalized him as American, and then had an issue with him wetting the bed, mm-hmm. and a year later returned him. Oh, like, my God. In their God. words, a bad sweater. Mm-hmm. So um, well, we that s- child was then left in an orf, oh, and she was already naturalized as American. So they had an international incident on their hands. Yeah, you know what? And that's so sad because that's um, we do readopts, and um, and we do have families that do the same thing. They call lifetime adoption and are interested in readopts if they can't. And I... We immediately want to get those children into a, another home in the U.S. It, it's very sad, and but right. it, it's been a very successful program. Uh, but it's important people before they adopt realize the the commitment is lifetime, and not a week long. It's not like a yeah, like a sweater with a snag, you know. Um, very so that, you know they they want that month to keep an eye on on you, you know. Yeah. We, we were able to see them for the first time. We saw them for a half hour in the first day. Mm-hmm. And they said that's plenty, mm-hmm. and then they invited us to come back the next day for an hour, mm-hmm. and the next day after that it was two hours. You know, they they took it very slow. I really admire how they yeah how they do it. Do they encourage uh, donations to the orphanages also there? Yes, mm-hmm. um, there there's a, there's a foundation for the orphanage system there that buys, uh, you know, reading glasses and mm-hmm. and medical supplies and mm-hmm. and things primarily for the children who will never leave, which is ninety nine percent of them. Wow. So, I mean, there's a, there's a foundation there for to care for children because mm-hmm. there is really no welfare system or anything like that. A lot of this is in your book, too, right? Yes. Okay, and again, the title of your book is? Hungarian Rhapsody mm-hmm. and Adoption Story. Okay, good. So what people, as we're talking about this, too. So how did that process go, then, that you're in there, and, and what happened next? Well, after the first day, they let us, you know, see the group of kids um, every hour and for, for an hour for the first day and then they gave us an hour alone with Christian, my oldest child who was then four because mm-hmm. they were concerned about the parental bond mm-hmm. being more established with Christian. so we mm-hmm. for every hour we got with the, the younger three they gave us an exclusive hour with Christian. so mm-hmm. we got to, sh- to learn where he was live living and look mm-hmm. at his uh, you know his little bed and he mm-hmm. had three stuffed animals that he owned which were mm-hmm. his only possessions so he got to play with the stuffed animals at that point. And then, mm-hmm. you know, they would teach us how to care for the kids. They would show us how the kids are bathed, how mm-hmm. they're eat, how they are fed. Mm-hmm. And then eventually they wanted my wife to take over that role. Mm-hmm. Um, they were very hesitant. I do remember one time I picked up one of the twins and started to feed him. And uh, all of the girls from the remaining wing, all the work, the workers came to watch because they'd never seen a man feed a child before. Really? Interesting. So, you know, the fact that the male was playing any sort of role in the parental mm-hmm. uh, field was really in- interesting to the Hungarian females because mm-hmm. in that culture, the men go off to work and the, w- the women raise kids, and they mm-hmm. don't tend to mix that very mm-hmm. well. How do they accept you as uh, Americans adopting from their country? Um, there was some, some a little baggage from that international incident the year before. Mm-hmm. So there was, a, I think... Initially, there was a little distrust because, you know, what people in their right mind would take four kids for mm-hmm. one because a f- the family size there is, you know, typically one, perhaps two, mm-hmm. and no one has a family this large because they can't afford it. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, they were looking at us a little bit like, you know, what kind of people would fly all the way over here? Yeah. But after, I think, the first day or two, they realized, you know, the staff, I think, realized our you know, our aim was true and... They, they embraced us pretty dramatically because yeah. Chris, Christian especially was 
one of the oldest kids in the whole orphanage, and after age four, mm-hmm. they're moved to a different facility wow. uh, to prepare them for a career in the military if, if, if they are boys. So that was a blessing. Well, you know what, Jim? We're going to go ahead and um, we're going to continue this conversation next week uh, with a program also. We're going to finish up on uh, you know your adoption from Hungary, what it was like bringing these kids home your first Christmas, uh, and also um, how it is to adopt when you blended the whole family together when you got back to the U.S. So um, we're going to finish up, up next week, too. So I really appreciate uh, you being on the show today and sharing this part of it. Thank and um, I want to have everyone stay tuned next uh, next week when we have this program because we're going to talk about large families also. So thank you, Jim, for being on the show today, and um, we'll be talking to you next week. Thank you so much. And uh, this is Marty Caldwell, and it's been a pleasure to be with you today. Remember, next week we're going to have a show also with Jim. Um, We're going to talk about his book again and about raising a large family. Very interesting uh, discussion. So until next week, have a wonderful week. God bless you, and we'll see you next week from Let's Talk Adoption. Thank you for joining us for Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell. For more adoption information, visit LifetimeAdoption.com or call 1-800-923-6784. That's 1-800-9-ADOPT-4. And tune in again next week at the same time for Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell.